So we are, yes, we are talking. And listen, don't think, oh man, you know what? Pastor's going to talk about money. They must be tight, must be needing more money. Uh, that's not the reason we're covering this. Uh, whoo, I got winded just running back there and back. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Uh, we have titled this The Almighty Dollar, although how many of you know God is the one that's almighty? Amen. All right, sometimes, uh, sometimes in some people's lives, money is the most important thing. And I like the little subtitle, The Power of Money and How We Handle It. How many of you know everybody has to have money in order to live, right? In order to make it. And, and we've been, you know, anybody notice how expensive things have gotten last couple of years? Right? Anybody enjoy filling up your car with gas now? No, no, right? Unless you got a motorcycle, right, JR? It's like, it's not so bad. But uh, I was kind of excited that the prices were going down a couple of months ago. Anybody was like, yeah, you know what? It says it's not as bad. And then anybody notice how they're starting to go back up again? All right? I mean, it's like, oh my goodness. It's just constantly, you go in and get a bag of groceries and you walk out like you just spent 50 bucks and you got one bag. <laughs> Come on. It's like, what is going on? So uh, money is in the news a lot. So I got another little quick uh, video clip that I want to show you. This is not going to surprise you. Nearly everything we buy is getting more expensive. Sky-high construction costs are slowing down plans. In some cases, organizations could be paying more than double the amount originally budgeted. Around the world, consumers are grappling with the soaring cost of food. Prices now at their highest level in a decade. The cost of everything from food to gas to construction materials on the rise now, and countless families say it's becoming increasingly difficult to make ends meet. How many of you would say that's true? All right, it's definitely gotten more expensive. As a matter of fact, there was a, a study, 52% of adults say that they have experienced negative financial impact over these last two years. How many of you would say, I'm in that 52%, right? Things have gotten harder. And you can't, like I said, you can't go and watch things without hearing something about money. It's actually pretty normal and natural to talk about it. Like after you do fill up your car with gas, how many of you want to go talk about it with somebody? Like, can you believe how much it costs, right? Or you get back from the grocery store and you want to talk about it. Uh, but how many of you know, uh, it, it, when we comes to church and we talk about money, how many of you know it makes some people nervous, right? Oh, no, talking about it. Listen, I understand. When I first became a pastor, I did not want to talk about money because, oh, no, what am I going to say? Are they going to think that I'm trying to squeeze more money out of them? Is that, is that what? But here's the thing. The longer I've been serving the Lord and the more that I understand, this issue is absolutely fundamental in our relationship with God. It, re it really is. And we need to regularly look at what the Bible says about money because for many... This is the, listen to me, this is the one thing between you and a total commitment to Jesus. This one hindrance right here. Last year, Capital One released a survey. They found that finances are the number one cause of stress. Number one cause. 70, look at this, 73% of people say this is their number one cause of stress in their family. More than politics, more than work, more than family. Money has become the number one stress, and younger generations are even more stressed out. 82% of Gen Z, 81% uh, of millennials say finances 
are stressful. And, and can I just say this? This isn't just limited to adults. How many of you know this affects kids as well? The American uh, Psychology Association stressed, they had a report, they said 30% of children say they worry about their family's finances. Think about that. That's almost one out of every three kids. They're concerned. Why? Because parents are concerned. They talk about it. Uh, Parents think only 18% of the kids are concerned. No. Kids pick up on that, don't they? They know what's going on. So we desperately need to know God's plan. We need to live, learn to live free from the stress of finances. Amen? And the stress of money. So this week and the next two weeks, I'm going to be talking about money and the almighty dollar, right? And, and listen, let me just say this. I've been doing this long enough. I know people have predictable, predictable reactions when I talk about it like, oh, great, you know what? I think I got to go to the bathroom and I may not come back in, right? Or like if this is the first time here, like, oh, you know what? I knew it. I knew I shouldn't have come to this church. All they want is your money. See, you guys have heard the same thing. I hope you don't say that, right? Uh, But I hear that. I hear that often. And can I just say, I'm kind of sick of hearing that because if that is what you think, that only the church just wants your money, I just want to give you a pass here and say, keep your money, right? Keep it in your pocket. Don't give a dime. I mean, if a penny happens to fall out of your pocket, make sure you pick that thing up, right? Put it back in your pocket. When we give offering, I mean, last month we had, we took up an offering for Ukraine to help people that are struggling just getting food. Just ignore that. You don't even have to respond to that. If you want, just pick up your phone and watch a YouTube channel, right? Or whatever you want. But I'll, here's the thing. You'll discover whether you give or not, we will never treat you any different. Well, I don't, you know, if I get a call at two o'clock in the morning from somebody and they're in a crisis situation, I don't give Randy a call up and say, hey, listen, does this person give? And if I get a no from them, like, I'm sorry, I'll see you at eight in the morning. No, we will not withhold ministry. We won't treat you any different. You'll be ministered to just the same. But if you think that the church just wants your money, then I want to say, like I said, keep it, right? How many of you notice we don't even pass the offering bag anymore? Sometimes that was a pressure. I mean, the pandemic kind of led us. It's back there. Uh, it is still a form of worship. But you know what? We're not here to pressure anybody to give anything. Amen? So here's the thing. I don't, I don't, here's, I don't want that to be anybody's excuse. But I want to say this. Jesus had a lot to say about money. Do you realize that 11 of his 39 parables talked about money? Like basically 25% of his uh, teachings dealt with possessions, wealth, or money. Jesus associated the view and the use of money with discipleship and following God more than 35 times. Like this is an important issue because money can become our God. Am I right? That's that important in our lives. So Jesus taught about, he taught about money more than he did heaven and hell combined. You're like, wait, what? (laughs) Uh, So here's the thing. We need to talk about it in the church. Absolutely. Listen, if you didn't like, if you don't like talking about that, you wouldn't like listening to Jesus because it was something that he had talked about often. He, uh, He knew that it would be a huge issue in our lives. And let's just say it is a huge issue, is it not? Oh man, it's a, even back in Bible times, people struggled with how to handle their finances, how to honor God with their money, how to keep the right perspective when it came to their stuff. 
So like I said, we're going to cover this over the next three weeks. Uh, I'm going to give you one word each week, okay? And there's going to be a corresponding principle that I believe that if you will use this, it will transform your financial life and your future. I don't care how old you are. So uh, now let me just say this because I'm starting this out. I want to be up front with my agenda because my agenda is not to increase our budget at the church. What I want is I want you to be financially free, to live by God's system, a different system than what this world lives in. How many of you realize we live differently than what our world is? See, the odds of you winning the lottery or Powerball or Mega Millions, if you actually buy a ticket, is only one out of like 300 million. My odds are zero. Guess why? I don't buy them, right? I'm not wasting my money there. But here's the thing. You have a greater chance to become president than you do uh, winning the lottery. So if you do, I'll vote for you and cheer you on, right? All of that stuff. But here's the thing. We live in a time of economic uncertainty and stress. And I want you, I believe God wants us to be in security and have peace and not stress out just because stock market's going all over the place and uh, gas prices are going over, grocery. You can actually have peace in that. You realize that, right? That was God's promise to us. Secondly, I want you to be blessed too so that you can be a blessing. You see, when we do take up an offering, you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever been in a situation where there was a need and you wanted to do something to help it about it, but you didn't have any money to give? All right, I, don't have no, I wish I had something to give. Uh, I believe that God's principles puts us in a place that when a need arises, we can actually do something about it. Amen. We can, I, I believe that's what God wants us. And I want young people, I want kids, teenagers, uh, young adults to begin to apply these so that you can apply that and be significant in the kingdom of God as you grow on. And, and I believe this, that if you're like 30-ish or under, that if you really apply the principles we're going to talk about over these next three weeks, you could be a millionaire by the time you're my age. Amen. I'm not, I'm not stretching it or anything. It's absolutely true. So, and, and I want to just say, I wish that Pastor Colleen and I learned these principles when we were younger. We didn't. We learned these principles through the school of hard knocks. How many of you learned as well? Like, it was like, if I would have just known all of this stuff when I, when, you know, when I was in high school or you know, early in college, I don't know why they didn't teach this in Bible college. They should have. Maybe I'm going to call them up and chew them out about that, because they didn't. I, I mean, everybody understands credit cards, right? But you don't really understand how much of a death trap they are until you're in that death trap. And it just keeps snowballing. So, you know, we learn these principles much later in life. And, uh, man, I, I wish I could make this mandatory for every young person. Really, I wish I could. And so here's the thing. If you have kids, if you have grandkids... Uh, and you would like to raise them in a safe way, that's part of my agenda. Listen, you can share this message, and, and maybe they don't go to church, but it's like, hey, listen, you need to listen to these new three messages if you want to be financially free. It, it really is that important. And our kids are going to be learning these principles. In a couple of weeks, they're going to be going over some of these same principles. So teach them to your kids. Teach them to your grandkids, whatever it is. Uh, so that's my agenda. And I do want to settle one other thing because people have different ideas. I remember a kid, this was back in, I think it was back in Chico, but he goes, wow, Pastor Scott, you must be rich. He goes, people putting all that money in that offering for you. 
And I'm like, yeah, I don't get to keep all of that. I'm sorry. Uh, how many of you realize that, our, you know, as a pastor, our salary is set by the church board? You, I don't get a percentage like, oh, man, there's, there's that much more. So we're increasing you by that amount. So I don't have any personal stake in this. Uh, and our board will tell you the topic of raises, when that happens, we always exit the board. Right? We talk about the budget, and it's like, okay, you talk about it, and we're good with it, whatever it is, whatever they feel like the Lord has put the, uh, on them. And uh, so I don't have that personal stake. My agenda really is about everybody else, for us to grab hold of that. And the principles, like I said, I'm, they're not new. Maybe you've heard them. Maybe you've gone over them. Uh, like I said, I wish that I would have learned them many years ago, but I didn't. So here's the thing. I want to cover just uh, some of the worldly approaches to money management that maybe you have fallen. I actually call them traps that we get into, and we've got to get out of those, right? If you're going to be free, how many of you know you've got to get out of the trap? If you stay in the trap, then you're still trapped. So here it is, the world common approach is, number one, spend what I have. If you got it, spend it. How many of you know there's a reason there's that term that money is burning a hole in my Right, because some people, they cannot keep any money. It's like if I got it, I remember when those stimulus checks were going out and everything was shut down because of the pandemic. I don't remember who told us, it. It like, like Ray, or not Rayleigh's, what's the uh, Rite Aid? Uh, said, yeah, people were going in there with their stimulus checks trying to buy stuff out of Rite Aid because they had to spend it. Right, I got, I got money, I got to spend it. Tax returns, many people are going to be getting tax returns. And listen, if you've done this, I'm not pointing you out because this is a, I've heard other people like, oh man, I'm getting my tax return. I'm going to go and get, uh, well, this one family that struggled all year with finances, they, uh, they took a week-long vacation at Disneyland, everything with their thing, and then they got back and they were struggling again. Oh man, you know, I got my big TV, you know, I'm going to go get this. And we, we get it and it spend it. It's like in and out, in and out, right? Oh man, I got this. I got to spend it. So uh, the second one is to do what I want. It's my money. I should be able to do it. I know I should save for retirement. I know that I should do wise things. I know that I should probably pay off some of the debt with this. But you know what? I'll worry about that one later. All right, how many of you, as we get older, how many of you know later comes quicker and quicker? Amen. Right, it's like, I remember later, you know, it's, it's like yesterday now. So it, it comes quick. I'm going to do it later. I'll, I'll do that. I'll let me put that one off. No, I'm going to do what I want now. And uh, how about this one? I want it now. How many of you remember? It's my money and I want it. See? Uh, I can't wait. I got to get the TV. I got to get the car. I can't wait. I have to have it now. And uh, you know what? I know I don't have the money for it, but this is the next one. I'll just pay for it later. All right? I'll put it on the credit card, uh, you know, and then eventually, don't raise your hand on this one, but uh, some of you have been in the loop before where you had to take money out of one credit card to pay the other credit card. All right? That's a horrible death trap to be in right there. Uh, the next one is I need it. And it's amazing how we've gotten older and older and things that used to be uh, uh, wants have now become needs. I've got to have this. Oh, I've I got to get the upgrade. What? I know my phone's working fine right now, but you know what? I'm due for an upgrade, so i got to get an upgrade. 
Am I right? And it's like, well, you're not getting an upgrade? I'm like, no, this one's still working. I could have got an upgrade on this, I don't know how many, maybe a year ago, and it's like, you know what, this one's fine. But you know what, the other one has like 50 million megapixels and you only got 10 million megapixels on your camera. I don't care, it looks good enough to me. Don't have to get the upgrade, you don't have to get the new and approved. Uh, The last one is I deserve it. Man, I worked hard for this and I just deserve, I need to reward myself. Like, good job. You know what? Buy a bunch of those little uh, stickers that, you know, good job stickers instead of going out and having to always reward yourself. I think advertising does an amazing job convincing you of everything that you deserve. Am I, how many of you know they, they spend a lot of money telling you how much you deserve gleaming white teeth? You need wrinkle-free skin. You deserve that new shiny car or that big giant big screen TV advertising tells us not what we want but what we deserve you deserve this you you know it doesn't matter if you can afford it listen that's why most people live by these principles that's kind of how things are and so talking or even thinking about money becomes stressful because you're living like that and you don't have money and when you get a flat tire on your car you're like oh man i don't know how i'm gonna fix it much less if you blow an engine all right, then you're really up the creek, am I right? So I just want to show you these three ways to live. I'm going to give you one word each week, so you're going to have to be here for each one of them in order to get it. Uh, I'm not going to give it to you in advance, so I'm going to give you one. But I believe if you'll listen to it and put it into practice, and I know some of you do, some of you probably don't, but the first one is to obey. You ha- this, let me just say this. This is not a giving series, but we do have to start at the beginning. Right? If you want God's blessings in your finances, I have to follow God's instructions. Right? Uh, it seems obvious, doesn't it? But so many people never make this connection. Like, I, I want God's blessings. Can I just show a hand? So how many of you guys want God's blessings? Right? Then guess what? You've got to follow the instructions. It really is that simple. And, 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 and I wonder why... People that disobey God's instructions, they wonder why I don't get God's blessings. How come I'm not being blessed like that? How come that's not happening in my life? I mean, sometimes we actually reason to the fact where we expect God to bless us in disobedience. Right? Boy, it's quiet in here. (laughs) I mean, let me just put it this way. If, If you tell your child to go clean their room and three hours later you go to check on their progress, and they're in their room playing the video game while the room's still a mess, like last night's dinner plate is on their bed, and last month's clothes are on the laundry. You don't go to them and just say, man, that's awesome. Let me give you a raise in your allowance. Do we? Hey, let's go out for ice cream. You've just done a bang-up job. You know what? Let's, let's go do this. You, you don't do that. We don't reward disobedience, do we? No, what do we do? We discipline it. It's like, come here, and I'm going to give you something to clean up. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, we want them to learn a lesson so that the next time they obey. And that, that applies across the board. At work, if you got a job, how many of you know the one that does their job well and, and follows instructions, they are the ones that get the promotions and the raise. All right? That's just kind of how it works. It really is that simple. If we want blessings, we've got to follow the instructions. And it's no different with God. If we want God's blessings, we have to obey His instructions. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. I'm glad you guys are with me now. Now, let me just say this. If you're not interested in obeying God, like I said, go ahead and tune me out. You know, what, like I said, watch the YouTube video. Do things your own way because it's worked so well up until now. Right? But listen, don't expect God to bless that. Don't expect God to bless that. We can all, listen, we can do everything right. We can be cautious. We can be wise. But if we don't obey God, ultimately, we're the ones that lose out. All right, ultimately, we're the ones. And let me say, the reason we have to look at this word first about obey is because it's the foundation of a solid, healthy approach to finances. Does that make sense? Every other principle that we're going to talk about really builds on this. And one of the most famous or familiar passage in Scripture concerning money is out of Malachi 3. And it's so black and white. Listen, you don't have to have a Bible college degree to understand this. Really is simple. Will a man rob God, yet you... This is God talking through the prophet. Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? And he says, in tithes and offering, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. And look what he goes on to say. Bring the whole tithe. How many of you know it doesn't say just partial? Doesn't mean 4%, 3%, 8%. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Amen. Amen? Can I tell you, the promise of blessing, it is directly connected to the obedience of tithing. It really is. There's, there's no other way around it. That is the starting point of obeying God with your money is to tithe. That's not the end point, that's the beginning. So, and, and listen, a lot of people over the years, I've been pastoring a long time, I've gotten this question, I have no idea how many times. How much, of, how much is a tithe? How much do I tithe? I know most of you guys probably know this, but just in case, a tithe is 10% of my income. You're right, the first of it, absolutely. So I, I just want to kind of give you and show you how that works. So how many of you remember way back when you were a kid, some of you way, way back, right? And uh, you got an allowance, maybe you, if you got $10, right? And how many of you know, especially when you're a kid, you don't want a $10 bill, you want 10 ones. Am I right? Because you fold that up and that looks like a whole lot more money. And, uh, but you got $10 and it's like, okay, and you've been taught, you better make sure that, that you tithe on that one. Those of you that your parents taught you that, and you're like, okay, God, how much do you want? And you know what God says? He goes, I just want one. Just one of them, right? That. And it's like as a kid, you're like, whoa, man, I still got nine of these puppies. Like, God, I love you so much and you're so amazing. I'm going to give you two, yeah. right? You get two of them, God, because you're so good and, and so awesome and, uh, and you're still excited because you still have eight. But then you know what? You get a little bit older. Maybe you get like a lawn mowing job or something and you work all week. And then in a week's time, you make, I grabbed the wrong envelope there, you make a hundred dollars and now you got ten ten dollar bills because you know if you had a hundred dollar bills i mean one dollar bills that would be really thick right there right but you're excited you know as a young kid or whatever you're like man i got a hundred how many of you guys remember the first time you had a hundred dollars right didn't you feel rich you just kind of walk around you're like hey i got a hundred dollars i mean be careful where you walk and do that but like i got a hundred dollars right you're like, okay, God, how much do you want? And God says what? I just want one of them. 
All right, just one of them, you still get 90 bucks, and you're like, God, you're so good. And God's saying, listen, if you'll just give me one, I will bless all of the rest of this and help you with this other nine. Amen? And you're like, God, you're so good, I'm not just going to give you that, that 10, I'm going to give you a couple of these as well. <laughs> because that's how good you are, God. And then, you know what, guess what, you get a little bit older, and then you get 10 of these. These are real. I'm just going to say, my wife said, be careful. Don't let anybody mug you on the way to church or a way out after they see that. So, yes, these are going back in my savings account after this is over. But, uh, no, I'm not giving them out. I know you've been to a church where, oh, pastor gave out of money. You're like, nope, I'm not. So uh, I love you guys, but this is in my savings right here. So anyway, you get a, anybody remember, when, you, when you got the first $1,000, anybody remember that? Like you got a check from work and it was $1,000 or more. You're like, whoa, that's amazing, God. I got a 1000 bucks. Now I'm not showing this around because I got some friends that don't need to see this, right? But I'll tell them about it. Uh, and here's the thing. What happens when the money starts increasing, all of a sudden we're like, okay, God, what do you want? He goes, I just want one. You're like, oh, wait a minute. That's $100, God. I mean, you know, $10 was one thing, but $100, that's a lot more money right there. I'm not sure about that. And at some point, we start focusing on the amount rather than the percentage. And we start to think, you know, you know, God, I'm not sure about that, but you know what? I'll actually give you three of these, Lord, and maybe two more of these. How's, how's that? I mean, I feel comfortable with this, Lord. You know, $100, you know what? That, I can get a lot with that, but $32, Lord. How's that sound, God? That's right. You know what? I'll fold it in half. I'll put it all in ones, and then, God, look at this wad I'm giving you, Lord, right? So, uh, and, and so what happens is that we, instead of obeying, we decide to tip God, right? Kind of like we tip our server at the restaurant. Uh, we give the God the amount that sounds good to us, that feels good, that I'm kind of comfortable with. And, God, don't worry, Lord. I love you so much. I'm going to give that every week. Right, you're going to get that. We tip the Lord instead of walking in obedience. And uh, what we're doing, obeying God, it's not about the amount. It is about the percentage. It's never about the amount. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard people say, well, you know what, Pastor? If I win the lottery, man, you would not believe what I'm going to give. We give you so much, we're going to build a brand new building. It's going to be amazing. Uh, but here's the reality. If we're not faithful, where's my ones? With a little, I mean, this is biblical. We're not going to be faithful with a bigger. It's just, we're just going to be disobedient in, in what's bigger. Yeah, you may give something, but I guarantee it won't be a tithe. Here's the thing. When we ignore God's instructions, we have moved ourselves out of God's plan and uh, we, when we choose to disobey God, I choose to live without God's blessings. I mean, nobody would volunteer. Like, we have a sign-up for the men's breakfast. If there was a sign-up back there to say, hey, listen, I want to live without God's blessing, would you put your name on that? I'd like to opt out of the blessings of God. You know what? We wouldn't sign up for that, but how many of you know when we choose to walk in disobedience, that's basically what we're doing? 
The scripture is so clear. Deuteronomy, God put it before him. I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. Okay, here's a road. This road says blessing and this road says curse. Which one are you going to go down to? Yeah, I'm going down the blessing road. Amen. Like I don't, nobody like consciously thinks I'm going down. But he says this, the blessing is if you obey the commands of the Lord, your God that I'm giving you today. Now, those blessings are not always financial blessings, are they? How many of you know there's a lot of things that we need that, that you wish you could have some of these blessings of God that have nothing to do with money? God will, I do believe God will bless you in that area, but it's bigger than that. But then he goes on to say this, the curse is if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God, turn from the way that I command you today by following other gods which you have not known. Now, how many of you know the scripture, you know, you can't serve both God and money? Who knows the King James, what it says instead of money? Mammon. Mammon. I don't know if you realize that, but that was actually a God of money. Mammon was a God of money. And so you really, you're saying, well, I'm not following other gods, but if I don't put God first, then all of a sudden money or mammon becomes my God. And I'm living my life under a curse because I have chosen to follow and hang on to that rather than saying, God, I trust you. And it says, listen, you know, if God says it, I want to obey it. Anybody with me? If you want to live according to God's plan, then a starting point is to tithe, to give God that 10%. And you're like, well, Pastor Scott, how can you expect me to start doing that now, especially when everything starts costing more? Right? Like, you know, a few years ago, that might have been more realistic, but how do you expect me? Listen, I don't know how, it, because things are even worse, this is the best time to start. Right. right? If you're not doing it, if you want to be financially healthy, friends, listen, I'm just, I'm just telling you, we have to be obedient. Like, we live just down from Apple Hill. How many of you have been to Apple Hill before? Let me see. Look at all the hands. Pretty much everybody. Has anybody ever gone, like, time before they've harvested apples, walked up to a healthy apple tree and like, whoa, there's apples on it. I can't believe it. Look, it's got so many. We're not surprised by that because a healthy apple tree is going to produce healthy apples. It's not like, I mean, now, if I went up to a lemon tree and it had apples on it, I would be a little shocked, Right? But an apple tree, it's what it's supposed to do. And here's the reality. A healthy financial life and approach produces healthy finances in our life. It is the natural result of following and being obedient to God. It just is. Obedience leads to health. Financial health is a huge blessing. Amen? Amen. Now, that was so hard and so difficult, but it really is that black and white. I want to answer a few of the common reasons some people choose not to tithe. And uh, you know what? I've been in some of these things before until the Lord really showed me. But number one is I can't afford to tithe. All right, don't raise your hand if you ever said that. I've gotten texts before from people that have told me that on their brand new iPhone. <laughs> right, let that, let that one sink. Or an email from their brand new laptop connected to high-speed internet. I just can't afford to do that. Uh, let me just say this, because I... Have been, I've, I've been in the situations where I'm digging change out of my car in order to get gas in my car. Anybody ever been there? Like, I got $3 in change. I can get $3 of gas. It's been that long ago, right? Now you don't even get a gallon. 
But uh, it's, it's not really a matter of what you can afford. It's a matter of what's first in my life. It may mean that I have to rearrange some things. It may mean that I may need to sell some things. But what is the priority? What matters more in my life? Is it owning the latest iPhone or is it obeying God? Right? Is it my Netflix subscription, my Hulu subscription, my, you know, how many of you know there's so many different subscriptions now? And then you got satellite TV on top of that. Is, are those or is it God's principles? What's the most important? Is okay, I'm gonna hit I'm gonna step on some toes with this one. Is it your daily grande white chocolate mocha from Starbucks? How many of you know some of the, the big ones are like six bucks now? Or is it like God, I want to be obedient? Here's the reality we can't afford not to tithe. Anybody ever say that? I can't afford not to because when I don't, you know, things usually don't go well. The devourer comes and devours. So I, I can't afford, other one that I hear, I think tithing is Old Testament standard. And I don't follow the Old Testament. Don't raise your hand if you subscribe to that because I'm about to talk about it, okay? That's Old Testament. That's the law. Well, in Luke 11, we read an account of Jesus talking with a group of religious leaders. And he says this, Woe to you Pharisees because you give God a tenth or a tithe. And he says, Of your mint, your rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs. Those are good, but he says you neglect justice and love. And so that's what he's talking to him about. And he says, you should have practiced the latter, which is justice and love, without leaving the former tithing undone. That's New Testament right there. And I know, I've heard this. Let me tell you, I have gone round and round and round with people about this. And some will say, well, I'm still not convinced. Because Jesus was still talking about them following Old Testament. And, and I would have to say, well, I kind of agree with you to a point. I kind of agree that tithing may not be the New Testament standard. Can I tell you why? And you're like, whoa, I've never heard a pastor say that. Remember when Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount? And he says, uh, and I'm just going to look at a couple of examples. In Matthew 5, he says, You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder, and if you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. Now, where did they get those words? The Old Testament, where specifically? The law, the Ten Commandments, right? He says, you heard that our ancestors were told through the Ten Commandments, through the law, through the Old Testament, you must not commit money or you'll bring a subject to judgment. And, and then what does Jesus say? Jesus says, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment, right? Like I can't even be angry with them. That's why we have to work out those issues of forgiveness in our life. And this is new living because I love this. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being, and that includes all politicians, let me just say that. That includes all of them. You are in danger of being brought before the court, and if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Ow, I can't even be angry with somebody. Now, let me ask this question. Is Jesus' standard higher or lower than the law? Higher, higher right? Like, you know what? At least, in the, at least in the Old Testament, I could be angry with somebody and call them all kinds of names and curse them out, and I didn't break the commandment because I didn't kill them, right? They're still living, but Jesus raised the standard, am I right? Look at this one, the next one, verse 27. You heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. Where did they hear it? 
Yeah, the law, the Ten Commandments. That, and he says it's a commandment. And uh, according to this, in the Old Testament, it was okay to look as long as you didn't touch. Well, I'm not touching. I'm just looking, you know. I'm just looking. I know that's old school. Now it's like, I'm just, I'm not doing anything. Man, I'm just admiring God's creation. What does Jesus say? If anyone even looks at a woman with lust, he's already committed adultery in his heart. Ow, right? Is that a higher standard or a lower standard than the law? Higher, right? I could have go. He has several more. I wasn't. I, I think that kind of made the point. Here's the reality: Jesus raised the standard of obedience in every situation. Amen. Not one time do you see him saying, "Well, that's what the law says," but I'm just saying, you know what? It's okay to do this. No, he never said that. Why would tithing be any different? Why would tithing? Well, that's Old Testament. Let me just say this. If you remember in the early church, in the book of Acts early on, how many of you realize that sometimes, there were times that they gave how much? All, everything. So the New Testament standard, listen, if you say, I'm a New Testament standard believing, well, you better get ready for a radically different lifestyle. Because God may call you to give it all. And at that point, most people say, well, I'm Old Testament, I'm 10%. Let me, give, let me have the 10%. You know, I don't know about that all thing. So uh, I'm just saying that, that Jesus never loosened. He always raised the standard. He expected that. So uh, third one, I may not tithe, but I'm faithful. All right, okay, I'm going to pick on this one for a minute because how many of you know that argument wouldn't work in any other part of your life? Faithful in disobedience is still disobedient. Let me say partial obedience is what? Like if you tell your kid to go clean their room and they picked up a couple of shirts but left everything out, would you say, well, they kind of obeyed. They part, no, they didn't obey, right? So, you know, I'm disobeying, you say, well, I'm disobeying God, but at least I do it every week. <laughs> and you're like, Pastor Scott, what are you doing today, right? I'm tipping God every week. Come on, he gets my 32 bucks every week. Come rain or shine. You know what? If I miss a week, I'll give him 64 the next week. No problem, God. Uh, And and sometimes we emphasize faithfulness while ignoring obedience. And you'll hear someone pray. Sometimes, you know, I've heard people pray over the offering, oh, God, bless every faithful giver. How many of you ever heard that? Maybe you prayed that. Don't raise your hand on that part. But uh, nothing wrong because that sounds really good. But other than the fact that God never promised to bless faithful givers, he promised to bless obedient faithful givers. And I know, man, pastor, you are all over my toes today. Don't raise your hand on that one either. So uh, here's another one. Uh, I'm not going to tithe because you're just saying that to get my money. And I know I already kind of addressed that a little bit, but uh, here's the thing. We don't give, you know, we give our tithes and we give above our tithes. I'm not saying that to boast or anything. We give to missions. We give to special offerings. I know those people on our staff. We do that. It's not just something I teach. How many of you know I live it? Right? I actually live it. We give more than what that 10% is. And, uh, and, and I, why do I do that? Jesus said this in Matthew 6, He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. And I believe that tithing is one way 
that we make sure his kingdom is first in our lives. That's one way that I do it. I want to make sure, God, your kingdom is first. And I have, if I don't give that out of my finances, then I'm missing it. It's a way of declaring, God, I trust you. I know. Listen, if you make a lot of money, I'm money. Right? I heard somebody say some time ago, it's like, tie a man. He goes, that's a good truck payment right there. And I'm like, well, maybe it is. If you can't afford it, maybe you need to get a beater truck for a while, right? And allow God to bless you at the time. Over and over, I can just say personally in our lives, God has blessed us. Since we learned this principle, before we learned that principle and we're faithful in it, let me tell you, it was a rough ride. How many of you have been on that rough ride before? But let me just give you a testimony. In, in 2012, we were pastoring in Chico, and how many of you remember... Economy was crashing back then. You guys remember that? People were, houses were getting foreclosed on. Uh, we had a private school, and even, since we came to that church, that school struggled. Uh, it was a bit of a drain on the church, but nevertheless, we tried to keep it open. But when the economy got to the point where some of the families couldn't afford the tuition anymore, and we had a number of them pulling their families out, we actually had to close the school down in December. We didn't even get to finish the school year out. We had already uh, cut salaries, like I had cut my salary by over $1,000 a month. Timothy had taken over youth and worship because we had to let our worship leader go. We had to let our youth pastor go. And Timothy became, at $250 a month, the youth and worship leader. He was raking in the dough. So, uh, uh, and here's the thing. We had a van. It was paid off. I was thankful. I'm like, okay, God, we're taking a pay cut. But thank God our vehicles are paid off. And then less than 30 days later, the engine to our paid off van blew up. And it's like, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> now we had to buy another vehicle. I mean, how many of you know it's hard to get around these days without a vehicle? We had to get another vehicle. And uh, now I'm making significantly less. Now i got a vehicle that I'm going to have to make payments on. Insurance is going to be more. Now we're about $1,500 a month upside down. But I want to tell you this. Never once did we think of not tithing. Never once. It, it, you know, we knew somehow God is going to provide. So that van broke down. And I, as I was thinking about it this morning, it was on December 31st. 2012. So we have our 10-year anniversary with our white van that you guys see us driving around because I'm not getting rid of that thing. It's still running. Yeah, it needs maintenance every now and then, but guess what? It is paid for. Amen. Amen. So here's the thing. That happened in December. We're like, we had to get it. We got another vehicle. We're like, God, we don't know how we're going to make it. We were barely making it as it was. But in January, the third week of January, we got a call. I didn't pursue it. Somebody called us and said, hey, would you guys be interested in hosting international students at your house? And then I'm thinking, wow, that's more food. But I'm, and then they said, but it pays $200 a week that you have them. And, uh, and I prayed about it, and I said, thank you, Jesus. And I said, sure, we'll do that. And so we started taking in international students. Uh, when we had two of them in our house, that was $400 extra a week uh, that we were making. And yes, we fed them. Only one time did we have a student that I think they ate us out of house and home. But uh, other than that, it was a financial blessing in our life. And God allowed us. So this was in January of 2013 that we're living with uh, 
Uh, God does that, and we're able to pay off a lot of extra bills, a lot of different things, and two and a half years later, with that pay cut and everything in that situation, God allowed us to buy our very first home in California. We never thought that would be possible. I mean, I don't, anybody recognize that homes are expensive here? Right, or was that just me? It was like a shock when we came from Texas to California. We're like, what? <laughs> How do people buy houses here? And we just thought, well, you know what? We're in the ministry. We're going to suffer for the Lord until the Lord comes and takes us home. But you know what? Because I believe, and I honestly believe this, because we chose never to stop tithing, didn't even consider it, God opened the door. And I wonder, had, God, had we like, okay, we better conserve now. With that opportunity to host international students, and let me say, that wasn't just a financial blessing. We were able to pour into the lives of numerous Muslim students who had never met a Christian before, uh, a lot of Japanese students, Korean students, Thai students, students from Mexico. We were able to pour into their lives, right? And at the same time, God was blessing us. So here's the thing. If I would have cut back, because that's kind of what the natural mind says, I don't know if those doors would have been open. I don't think they would have, honestly. And so I want to challenge you today to learn to live to be extreme. There's a reason that you hear this phrase, you cannot outgive God. You know who I've heard that from? People that have tried. People that, uh, that, that don't like to give, they're like, oh, they may say it, but they don't, they've never experienced it. They've never experienced how God will pour out the open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing. Maybe they're like, okay, well, I'll tithe this week. I'll tithe next week. Well, nope, no windows open. I'm out of here. Let me tell you, it's faithful obedience over time that all of a sudden you get to a point and you're like, whoa, God, look how you've blessed me. Look, if you're just doing it for a, a two-week investment period, okay, God, you see if you pay better than the stock market this week. How many of you know you're going to miss it, right? I want to say that I've never heard somebody that has been a lifelong giver get to the end and say, you know what, I wish I would have given less. Man, I, I, I wish I could have kept a little bit more for myself because they have learned this principle that faithful obedience leads to blessing, not just in your financial life, but in other areas of your life, amen? So this is foundational. I'm not going to be talking about tithing anymore over these next two weeks, but I am going to cover some principles that I think that are uh, really counterculture, but it starts with this obedient. And you're going to have to be there to, in order to see this. What is this leading to? And you're thinking, where are you going? Are you going to take up an offering now? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make sure. I'm not, I, don't, I, don't look at the, I don't see who gives and who doesn't give. I don't mess with that because I don't want that to affect me in any way. But tithing is between you and God. Right. So I want to challenge you. Don't miss the next two weeks. If you're going, to miss, you're going to miss some important principles. Next, I want to pray for you because that, uh, I believe that you, if you take that step of obedience, if you're not already doing it, and let me tell you, this isn't just true in finances, what we're talking about, obedience. How many of you know this is every area of your life? When you obey God, you experience His blessing. In finances, that's true. How many of you know this is true in relationships? Right? Like, like some people have a lifetime of dysfunctional relationships, and you're like, man, you know what? I just got bad luck. I just keep choosing the rotten egg, right? Here's, here's what it really is. If you're not obeying God's principles in relationship, then of course things are going to go wrong, right? 
It's true in marriage. If you obey God's principles in marriage, how many of you know it's going to make a difference in your marriage? It's true in your business. It's true in your employment. If you're in school, it's true there. When you obey, I just want you to hear that. When you obey God's principles and command, you can expect him to bless you and to help you through it. Doesn't mean you're not going to face challenges. Of course you are, right? We still live in this world but I want to tell you, with God by your side helping you and helping you get through that situation, I want to tell you, every area of struggle you go through, God's going to be there. Amen? He's going to help you through it. If you find there are areas in your life that you just keep, uh, 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 just keep hitting the same wall over and over again, I want to challenge you. Find out the area in your life where you're walking in dis- disobedient, turn it around, and then watch God begin to bless you in that area. Again, whatever it is. So... That is why fixing it on this level of tithing or money is so important because really obeying God with money, it really shouldn't be that hard. It re- I, I know it is at first, but as you begin to walk in that obedience, it really isn't that hard, and he helps you in every other area of your life. Amen? Amen? Amen.